So Father God, Lord, we just lift up Rich to you today, God. We thank you for Rich, God. We thank you for what a blessing he is to us, God. And just pray that um, you just speak healing over his body, healing over his body today. In your mighty name, amen. And God, Lord, I pray for today, Lord, I pray for this message, this word, God, that you would speak through me, Lord, that you would meet us in the different places that we're at, God, and you would take us forward and take us on, Lord, that you would challenge us today. God, maybe we are here today and we don't know you, we don't follow you, God. Maybe we've stopped following you, (coughs) that you challenge us to follow you afresh today. For some of us, maybe... There are other things in our walk with you, God, that you will take us to a new level and a new place, God. Lord, that we would leave here in a different place than we entered. In your great and awesome name, Jesus. Amen. So, guys, we're going through a series in the book of Acts. And um, we're in Acts 8 at the moment. So I see a lot of new faces here today. Some people as well who haven't maybe been for a while. So at the end of um, last week, we were, we were looking at kind of the section of Ste- Stephen and Philip going and fleeing Jerusalem and going to Samaria and preaching to Samaria. And we're in the section just after that. So it's Acts um, 8, 9 to 24. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to... Acts 8, 9 to 24, and titled today is called Fascinated by Power. You know, humans, we have this tendency, a lot of people are very fascinated by power. It's something that's in us that sparks something that we think, wow, that's incredible. You know, if you think right back through human history, right back to the ancient Greeks, they had all their stories of Hercules and things like this. Even right to today, everybody loves to go and watch Marvel and these kind of things. That there's something in the human, in the human being that we just are fascinated by power. Love to see it and witness it. And even many of you, I'm sure, have been captivated by stories that speak of power. Stories maybe even that draw on things like magic and mystery, like Lord of the Rings and Narnia, things like this. It triggers something deep inside us, deep inside our hearts, that something almost that we were longing for, that when we hear that story, we kind of feel, well, we know that's not real, but there's something about it that just feels so, so real in the telling of that story. And we can't quite figure out what it is that's happening inside us when we hear those stories. Well, you know, why is this? Fundamentally, guys, it's because we're all called to a grander supernatural story that every human on the face of the planet is called to a relationship with a living God. That we are called to be filled with the Spirit, to be living in the Spirit. We're called to walk in the supernatural. You remember in the Bible it says, not by might, not by strength, not by you and everything that you can do, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So today, guys, our goal and my goal is for us to get inspired, get encouraged. It's more that style of sermon. And to understand a little bit more about the believer's ability, the believer's supernatural power. That I want you guys to leave here with a confidence to be able to walk in that. That it's not something that's a bit kind of intangible and weird and just for a special few, but that it's for everybody. And so what we're going to do is look at this text from Acts. Um, And this text is a story of great power, men moving in great power. 
and seeking power in very positive ways and very good ways, but also in very wrong and very backwards and dark ways as well. And so we're going to look at what's going on and some key lessons that we can learn through that for our lives and for us living a power-filled life. So if you turn to Acts 8, 9 to 24, or it'll be on the screen, um, I'll just, I'll read and you guys follow along. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention. He had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon, the magician, even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip and observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of hands, through the laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this authority, give me this authority as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So, guys, what's going on here? What is going on? pretty hocus pocus. This city of Samaria that we spoke about last week that Philip's entered into, that he's come into this city, he's done great amazing signs and wonders and many people have come to faith. This is the kind of section we we're looking at last week. But actually, you know, it's not an a-religious city. It's not just some city that hasn't really got any spiritual stuff going on. This is a deeply spiritual place. This has a strong influence and a history of this kind of demonic magic that's been going on. It's an environment that Philip steps into, and it's this city that's bewitched, in a sense. It's a city that has seen so many amazing things happen already. You know, They've seen Simon doing incredible stuff. But it's left them in this place that's empty and broken. How do we, how do we know this? You know, these guys are so ready to receive the power of God. They're so ready to receive the gospel. You know, Simon the sorcerer, he's known in that city as the great power of God. The word power is in the Greek is dunamis. Same word used here. That's the same word that they use for Holy Spirit power. That what was going on here is some serious stuff. What Simon would have been doing amazed them. That they, they were amazed and they said, Wow, this guy, he's the great power of God. Simon, he's not a kid's party entertainer. You know, he's not just somebody doing a few tricks, 
doing a few kind of, you know, card tricks, things like that, a few balloon animals. He's somebody who's had this city under his spell, in a sense, that we're not, it, we're talking about there's some kind of real power going on there. And that's what led people to call him the great power of God. And you know, that's no coincidence there that we, it speaks about it in just the verses before the part we read, where it says, Many people came to faith. Many people were healed. Healed, But it also says that many people in that city were possessed by demons. The men, the, with a scream, the demons came out of them. But it's no coincidence that there was this practicing magician in the city and many, many people who'd been led into deception, who'd been led into deceit and were possessed. And so there are many types of power. Demonic power can make people awe-inspired, can make people be like, wow, this is amazing. This is the power of God. How do we tell the difference? Well, that kind of power leaves people empty and it leaves people broken. But the true power of God, the Holy Spirit, it brings life and it brings freedom. And the verses just before that, it says that that city, after Philip came in and was preaching the gospel and healing people and seeing demons cast out, that the whole city rejoiced. Because that's the result of the power of the Spirit. That people would rejoice, that there would be rejoicing in the land, that there wouldn't be emptiness there. There wouldn't be some show that, wow, that's incredible, but it does nothing to transform the human human heart. It does nothing to bring a person back into that supernatural relationship with the living God. And so the city of Samaria is this very religious, spiritual place that Philip goes into to preach. Not an easy place to step into when we begin seeing the environment like that. And so he enters a place where there's already a guy who's been doing stuff, and this guy is called the Great Power of God. So what was it about this power of the Holy Spirit working through Philip in that place that caused these people in the city that had seen amazing things to be completely and utterly amazed, to completely leave that and pursue this gospel, can pursue this message and result in rejoicing? You see, these guys there in that city in Samaria, they saw something which was more amazing and brought more life and joy than they'd ever seen before. And that is the power that dwells with inside every believer. So they saw something which drew them to follow Jesus. And imagine being Simon in that moment. Many people, if you think of the magnitude of this power that it says is in the, is in the life of the believer, that si it's, it would be easy for Simon, if you saw something comparative, to be like, well, hang on a minute, I'm going to fight back a little bit against this. I'm going to have, have some kind of um, battle against this. But Simon is undone in it as well. That he sees this power and he pursues that. He pursues it himself. It says that he follows them around. It doesn't see Simon getting kind of super angry with these guys. That the sorcerer saw this power that he was just like, that's nothing like the power I've got. I want to have that power. Imagine what it would have been like to have been ground zero in that place at that time. To be there and experience a city rejoicing because the power of God has poured out upon her. And then, in the story, Peter and John are sent. They're sent there by the apostles. Good's picture shows that it's not Peter's the boss and he tells everyone what to do. They make a decision, the apostles make a decision, send Peter and John over there. 
and they start laying hands on the people to be filled with the Spirit. And Simon at this, he asked Peter, he says, let me pay you to give me like the power to also be able to fill people with the Holy Spirit. Think how much more powerful that power was that leads Simon to a place that he even gets baptised. And albeit his motives are all wrong, you know, we'll touch into that later. I just want you guys in this moment to see the amazing power of God, that nothing, no power that you face in life could ever stand up to it. So this city came to rejoicing and transformation, not through words alone, but through the power of God transforming that place and impacting that place. And so you know, I guess the, the key message in the sense that we are called, like Philip, like many other believers, normal people over time, that we are called to this same lifestyle, that we are called to a life of power. We're called to live a supernatural life. And I know sometimes, I don't know all of you guys here, sometimes it can feel, you know, James, that feels a little uncomfortable for me. And, and, I, and I get that. And sometimes stepping out in the supernatural side of things can feel uncomfortable. But actually, when we, act, when we think just with our common sense side of stuff, if you think about what we believe, what is the very foundation and core, if, you call, if you're a follower of Jesus today, you, know, you believe that God Almighty became a man. You believe that he was born of a virgin. You believe that it is only in his death on the cross and his paying for our sin and the total wrath of God that in him you can have eternal life and be raised to eternity. That you believe that he is alive today, right now, that he's seated as we speak on a throne in heaven and by his spirit he is here in our midst and that one day he will come again. So really the fundamentals of everything we believe is very supernatural. The supernatural is a regular thing for the Christian. It's the part of the normal Christian life. It's core to our belief. And it isn't strange then that when we share the gospel, when we preach the gospel, that that gospel is evidenced and is demonstrated through supernatural signs and wonders. You know, that's what Paul even says. He says, I preach the gospel fully with signs and wonders that he says with demonstrations of the spirit's power i've preached the gospel in first corinthians 4 20 it says for the king so this speaks about the kingdom of god okay this is the this is the thing where we're all trying to move where we're all aiming for us where we want people when we share the gospel it's because we want them to come into the kingdom okay see jesus as king it says for the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk but of power it's very easy to forget that because, especially pastors, we like to talk a lot. You know, we could just go on and on. I left a voicemail for someone the other day and they sent me one which was four minutes. I thought, man, that's a long voicemail. I sent one and let it go and I thought, man, six and a half minutes. So um, it's easy to forget that the kingdom isn't a matter of talk but of power. And so today, guys, you're not part of an idea, you're not part of an ideology, you're not part of a point of view. You're part of a kingdom, a real kingdom that is functioning today and has been functioning longer than the, the government in Hong Kong, has been functioning longer than the US government. It's right now, all over the world, the kingdom advances. It's a real thing present here 
today. And so we've been called, haven't we? Jesus taught us to pray. Pray. Remember the Lord's Prayer? It says, pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, sometimes, not always, but sometimes within that praying, to see that happen, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, actually... What needs to happen for the kingdom to come is for certain situations on earth need to actually come back in alignment with the kingdom. So for those kind of things to happen, sometimes what we know as the natural laws of things, sometimes they actually need to bend. They need to bend and change to come back in line with the kingdom itself. So what we sometimes see as supernatural on the earth is actually natural. You see, it's natural because we've got the, when, when we have this right understanding of the kingdom and the authority of the king, that if something on earth, and that's, well, that's the way of stuff, if that isn't in line with the kingdom, then sometimes when we pray, and you know, in the name of Jesus, we bring the authority of the king, that that comes back in line with the kingdom. If you think about the kingdom itself, there's no lame people in the kingdom. There's no sick people in the kingdom or demon-possessed people in the kingdom. That's why Jesus says, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. So legs must be straightened, sickness must disappear, demons must be cast out. Whatever it takes, it's not too much to bring the brokenness of situations that we see in this present age back into alignment with the wholeness of the kingdom. Because how great you are, how good you are at praying? No. No, because how good the teaching was you got on Sunday. Right. Because of the authority of the king. I find, that, I find that deeply exciting. There was a story of a guy called John G. Lake. And he, um, amazing healing ministry, incredible healing ministry, this guy. So they, hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. Many, many people healed. There was a five-year period in the U.S. We mentioned it the other week, where no one got sick for that whole for those whole five years in that in that place. Well, actually, no one died. Rather, they they were all healed. There was over a hundred thousand reported healings from that one town in Spokane. And there's there's a story about how these scientists they got some bubonic plague solution, put it on his hand. Um, I mean, the guy had an incredible gift and incredible ministry, but put it on his hand, and they watched under microscopes as this bubonic plague, the kind of cause of the Black Death, killed. Like third, I can't remember the exact percentage, but a massive percentage of Europe's population in the Middle Ages just shrivel up and die. So it's real power. And its power, I think, it's hard to describe it because it's a beautiful, awe-inspiring, true kind of royal power that is the power of God. It's, it's um, a power that causes the magician Simon to be silenced, just speech like in awe. Wow. And albeit for the wrong reasons, he pursues that power instead of something else. So guys, what does this passage teach us about power, about living lives of power or confident to step out in power? So this isn't some strange sideline thing. It's central to Christianity. Jesus, he does amazing miracles. Read it in the Bible. He does wonders and all sorts of things, right? But then he says to his disciples, Greater things than these you will do. And so power is part of the normal Christian life. So I'm going to say three three points that we can learn and take out of this. So one, Holy Spirit power for all. 
power isn't just for a few super Christians, you know. It's not just for a few super Christians, that power is for all Christians because the Holy Spirit is for all Christians. In the text we read here, we read that the, um, the apostles, they show up, they pray for everybody, don't they? They pray for everyone to be filled with the Spirit. They're new believers, these guys, they've been baptised in water, but now they're being baptised in the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to hold here a moment just to speak about baptism. And I know some of you guys may come from different traditions with different concepts of baptism and things like that. These are not hills as such to like fight over, so I don't know where you guys are coming from. But we're just going go to the, go to the text. So first one is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So three baptisms, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So this one, I'll just read it. It says, for by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. So this here, we see the Spirit baptizes us, or you, in Jesus. This is like that moment when you're putting your faith in God and you're believing in Jesus that there is this supernatural thing. When you're following, when you're following him, that the Spirit himself baptizes you into him, that you're secured, you're in Jesus. Remember it says that we are in Christ because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross he dies, and when he's raised again, we're raised to eternity with him, that we are hidden in Jesus, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit baptizes you in Jesus. And then in Matthew 28, 19, it says, go and make disciples of all nations. We know, we know this one very well, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what's this? This is where a disciple baptizes you in water. Okay, this is what we see that these guys have experienced there, that these guys have been baptised in water. And then in uh, Matthew 3.11 it says, He will baptise you, this is Jesus speaking, He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sorry, it's not Jesus speaking. Um, I can't remember who it was speaking there. But it says, He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I just want you guys to notice the difference between the top one and the bottom one. See, this one is the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus. The bottom one is Jesus baptizing us into the Holy Spirit. The middle one is a person, a disciple, baptizing you in water. So by the top two interesting ones, this one we don't often refer to, I don't usually refer to it as baptism, but you see here the two, the two differences there. Within that caveat to add to this that's so important, there is no levels of believers because sometimes maybe people have made that mistake. There's no level of believer, you know. It's not like, okay, I've achieved this and achieved that, and I've got this badge and that badge, you know. As soon as we're a believer, we are given the title. As soon as, as, soon as we are in Christ, we're given the title child of God. Nothing else after that. No experience or anything like that can transform or top that you know that is the most ultimate title that's the most beautiful title that that you could be you could be no higher than that to be called child of god this new identity we get given in him but there is this other experience of god being baptized in the spirit we saw from that text that the guys in samaria they become believers they've been baptized but they've not been baptized in the spirit. And so what happens is they then send 
the apostles to go and baptize them in the Spirit. They've been baptized by, by the Spirit in Jesus, and the Spirit of God dwells in them. They've been completely transformed, but they haven't been baptized in the Spirit by Jesus. So this being filled with the Spirit is for every single believer. Every one of you today. Guys, if, you've, if you're like, oh, I don't feel I've had that experience before. I don't feel like I've ever really been filled with the Spirit before. Then let's pray for it afterwards. And you know what, guys? It may look completely different for each person. It could be that one person displays certain gifts and other people display other gifts. And I want to encourage you guys, never be envious for the gift that somebody else has got. Because it's not about that. Never be envious for the stuff that they can, that maybe they can do, the place that God's taking them on their journey. Because if you imagine Jess and I, if you don't know, we're expecting twins. Spoiler alert. Um, and so we'll have um, three children. And how much of a blessing will it be for us if they don't all want to be like Eliana and just all be like her? It'll be such a blessing if they each have different gifts and in their giftings that they complement each other and help each other. And that's the kind of same with the church, with us, that we honour God when we walk in the gifting that seems to be coming to us. You may have a desire in your heart in a particular area and you pursue that and you really pray for that and pursue that. And the point is, guys, it's not about like, well, look, look, they're doing that. But actually, that we are not individuals as such. We are individuals, but we are also a body. And when we think of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's power in us, we need to think of ourselves as, as the body. And you'll see some people, maybe they really get very gifted and they're very gifted in healing. Some people, I mean, I've heard stories that some people are gifted in healing for only healing certain things. You know, like one per, I've heard stories of people only being able to heal like left ears of like middle-aged women and stuff like that. It's just crazy stuff. But, um, we honour God when we, in love, recognise the gifts that are going on in, on, in, on in each other and not try and say, oh, well, I, you know, I want to get that thing. I want it for myself. Have a confidence, guys, that the power can flow through your life, wherever you're at. So it is for all Christians. First, hold on to that. So first we need to understand that it's for us, but then we also need to understand the nature and the power of, of the power. So the nature of the power. You see, the power that we're speaking about, this is often where maybe folk get a little tripped up. The power that we're speaking about is not power maybe like you know it. It's not like plugging something in at the wall. It's not like the force. If anyone's a fan of Star Wars here, then you're awesome. No, the power of the force. I hope you guys will get this reference, but you know, the Jedi in Star Wars, they use the Force, don't they? And there's that quote, use the Force, Luke, use the Force. Well, no, we don't use what we're speaking about because what we're speaking about, this power is a person and we never use people. You know, We never would use people in life, let alone use, use God himself because the power is the Holy Spirit. And so this is one reason, you know, why Peter and John, they lose it when Simon says, hey, let me buy this, because he just really just doesn't get it. In, in his not understanding stuff, he doesn't get what he's saying. And they say this to him. They say, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. 
He's in effect saying, let me buy God. Let me buy this gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift given by Christ's sacrifice that we, that, that we can have this relationship with God, that the Holy Spirit can get be poured out upon us. It's like Simon saying, you know what? My money is better than Christ's sacrifice. How frequently, though, do we do the same kind of thing? When thinking about this, this topic of power, how frequently can we consider our own ability, the stuff that's within us, ourselves, to impact the amount of God flowing through our lives? See, my, we may say things like, you know, my behavior, my holiness is more important for the amount that God wants to fill me than Christ's sacrifice to come and fill me. So Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you could be reconnected with God Almighty, so that you could have this relationship with him and so that you could receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You do not need to earn the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that you can do to earn his presence in your life. You know, in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. And so the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so we live in this beautiful, incredible relationship with the Godhead through the Trinity. Is there anyone here today who needs to decide to follow Jesus, to receive the Holy Spirit? So the gift of the Holy Spirit is more precious than you could ever imagine. It's, and, you know, it, it's not really about power. It's nothing that we could earn. We don't pursue that, the Holy Spirit, for power. In fact, you know, power is really just a bit of a sideline thing. It's uh, something that is there, that, ha- that happens and we can do, and, but it's not the focus, that we don't focus to pursue God for what we can see happen through our lives. So you never pursue God for power, but pursue God for his presence. By the Holy Spirit, we get to have, you know, this amazing, beautiful, communing relationship with God and enter into that. Imagine the love that's between those three, the love that stood all eternity. And we get to enter right into the middle of that by our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the great gift of the Spirit in our lives. So you cannot buy the Holy Spirit or earn the Spirit in your life, like Simon thought. He is this great gift of God. You can't be good enough. You'll never deserve him, but because of Christ in your life, even though we can't earn him, he will come and fill us. And so you may think, you know, things like, well, you know, if I'm really holy, if I'm really spiritual, then I'll be able to do more spiritual stuff. But actually, it's about saying, God, you know, you and me, that, you're, you're the glorious one. You're the awesome one. And actually in that place, you're going to be walking in a far better way. There is a kind of an element of truth that when we sin, we have ramifications that has ramifications and often it leads us down paths of life where we probably wouldn't even be stepping out in faith and things like that. But ultimately, we are not the source of power. 
and the Holy Spirit will never abandon us. See, when we read of signs and wonders being done, it isn't the human and their ability and their holiness and their godliness that sees these things happen, but it is the Holy Spirit working through the willingness and the brokenness of the believer. See, willingness to trust, despite what's going on, willingness to believe, to step out, to declare the authority of King Jesus into a situation. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit. This verse, Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. And this uh, verb here, it's kind of this present continuous form, which means be being continuously, be being filled. Be continuously filled with the Spirit. That it's not just a one-off event. That it's something we can be praying for and asking for and I encourage you to do it. Do it every day. Let's just say, Holy Spirit... Fill, fill me afresh right now because we're to be full of God, to be pouring out into our worlds, into our lives. And so it's so important that we understand the nature of the power, that it's not a force to be used, but it's a person for us to work with. The Holy Spirit in Greek means parakletos which means one who comes alongside, that when we step out and do these things, it is we are stepping out and working with God. So we need to know the nature, but also of, of the power, but also to be effective, this last point, point three, we need to understand the purpose of the power. You know, How many of you guys know that if you don't read the instructions, you may not use the item for what it's supposed to be? Or maybe you get this, thing, you know, the Christmas present, and you're like, what is this thing? You know, and you've used it. I'm trying to remember what this thing was. That I remember we had one thing we used as, I, don't, I think we used it as like an egg cup for ages or something like that, and it turned out it wasn't an egg cup at all. It was like a heat-proof mat or something like that. That We were using it for the complete wrong purpose. So... We need to know the purpose of power. Because if we don't, we reduce our effectiveness in ministry. We reduce, or sometimes we may see nothing happen. No. So John 15, 26 says this. It says, the advocate, so that's also the Holy Spirit, says, the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. He will point to me. He will, he will lift me up. He will, he will exalt me. He will speak about me. He will testify about me. See, the Holy Spirit has come to glorify the Son. The Holy Spirit's demonstration of power is to point people to Jesus. So when we think about miracles and signs and wonders and the power of God operating and working in our life, the reason and the purpose of it is to be a sign that points to Jesus. Imagine you're traveling to Central and you go to someone and say, excuse me, where's the sign for Central? And they say, it's just there. And you say, oh, fantastic. And you just go up to it. And then they see you and you're just stood by the sign and they're like, Central's over there. And you say, I know, I just love the sign. And you just follow the sign and you're pursuing the sign and you're looking for the sign and you make a camp there because you love it so much. And everything's all about this sign. And someone's like, hey, why, why, don't, why don't you go? Imagine you could have, let's Hong Kong terms, money and finance. Imagine you could have a sign. You know, you get given the sign and the financial value of that sign for Central. Or you could have all of Central, all the businesses, all the properties. That's the kind of difference between pursuing Christ 
and pursuing a sign or a wonder. Because the, the trouble is sometimes people do do that. That they stay at the sign and they pursue the sign rather than the king. And the sign becomes their God. The sign becomes their obsession. The sign becomes where they find meaning and value and they stay on the road and don't direct people and lead people to the king. And they don't, they're not looking that way. Guys, do not pursue the sign alone for the sake of the sign. Don't pursue the sign for the sake of the sign. There are too many people hunger maybe after power because they want glory themselves. They want a ministry of power. Easy to do that, right? They want people to look at them and what they're doing and say, wow, that's amazing. And so they're seeking signs, even if it's a bit subconsciously, they're seeking signs which point to them. But we need to be people that seek signs that point to him. You know, God in his grace and love for the people. You may be like, well, doesn't nothing, something, sometimes just nothing happen. But actually, if you think healing, wisdom, all this stuff, it isn't actually just God and, that pers- and the person seeking the sign. Let's say it is the person who has actually intended to receive the gift. You know, if you heal someone, you haven't received the gift. You've just been the postman to give someone the gift of healing. You know? So God in his love and grace, even with poor motives... We've, we've seen, you know, people be healed. The lame walk, the leper, the broken, completely healed. So guys, let's not be a people seeking to set up signs to ourselves or even actually to church. You know, I would rather point people to Jesus and they go to another church, you know, rather than you point them to church, they come to church once and leave and never discover Jesus. Well, hopefully they didn't discover him here, but point people to him. So let's pursue signs and wonders to point to Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. There, there is this beauty, when you think about it and you imagine yourself like doing this kind of stuff, stepping out in this way, because it can be scary and it can be challenging, but there's actually, when we're saying, actually, God, we see, Holy Spirit, that you are here to work in power to point people to Jesus and I'm just being obedient and I'm just being willing that there's this kind of beauty and honesty and power in that that there's no fear because actually apart from your willingness it's got nothing to do with you that he is the power that he's the one who heals the sick he's the one that casts out demons he's the one to speak out in confidence we're the ones to speak out in confidence knowing that the Spirit's purpose is in line with what we're doing, is to raise Jesus up. So when we really understand the purpose of the power, when we understand that aspect in our lives, it completely changes how we approach those kind of situations. We can be feel a lot less scared because we know the Holy Spirit has said, this is what I'm coming to do. You know, when we go into situations and we're pointing people to Jesus, you know, when we're saying maybe things along the lines of, I believe Jesus heals people today. Would you let me pray for you? And come at it from that perspective, constantly pointing people to him. So it can really inform our approach. So guys, just coming to land now, I want to encourage you to be a church, to be a power-filled church to see the church filled of power but not for us 
cool, we had some good post-service times with God, you know. But the church was never meant to stay in the four walls. That we must be a church filled with power, not because that would be cool, you know, but because the city needs us to be those people, to see Hong Kong transformed, to see Hong Kong reached. We can't do it with just words with endless sermons, as much as I could do that, by the way, just carry on and on, you know. We, we won't reach where we're trying to go when we don't, we need the Holy Spirit in power through his church to point the city to Jesus and see the king and his kingdom and his rule come in this place. Imagine a church like that. And my hope is that we're going to become more and more like that. And I know it's not easy. And I know it takes guts and it takes risk and stepping out. And like, oh, it didn't work that time. You know, with the disciples, it didn't work every time. Jesus prayed for a guy who was blind and it didn't work first time. And he had to pray again. You know, so it's not like, oh, this is easy. No, but it's something for us to pursue. Not because we're confident in ourselves, but because we're confident in God and that the Holy Spirit is just so ready to move in power to glorify and point to the Son. Imagine that, church, guys. So let's be a people who point to Jesus. And I hope that people outside will see that for the church. That people, sometimes I think people outside can see the church as like a bit old and a bit dated and irrelevant and a bit traditional or something like that. But I hope that church in people's minds are like, well, you, if you go there, you will be healed. If you go there with, and you're just so messed up, you can't see a way out of your problem, that you can go there. And in that place, you will find answers for your problem, that you would find the amazing wisdom for your, for your struggle. And it wouldn't be because of great tech or fantastic pastor or uh, you know, a fantastic team but because the Holy Spirit dwells in that place through the people in power. And so, guys, that, that's my hope for us and for you, that you take this out into your communities, into, into your workplaces. And so I think today, as proper, like wrapping up, I know this can be a kind of, hmm, that's a great one, and I'm going to go away, I'm probably not going to try that. But I just, just today, I want to encourage you, we're going to pray afterwards, but I just want to encourage you, Dwell on that. Meditate on that. And if you feel ready, say, God, give me an opportunity this week where I can, I can do that, where I can move, where I can move in power. Maybe it's pray for healing. Maybe it's pray for wisdom. Maybe it's pray for peace for somebody. You know? I challenge you guys in that. All it takes on our part is this willingness to step out with confidence in him and point people to Jesus, declaring his authority in a place with that confidence that we know this is the Holy Spirit's MO, this is what he does, and see his kingship performed. Guys, we're just going to have a moment now where we're going we're to go into worship, and then after the service, we're going to have a, a time of going to have a time of prayer, so some folks may want to go and get coffee, whatever, you, you can do that. Um, but feel free to stay after the service. But my question for you today is, where are you at today? Are you following Jesus? If you're not, then you can make that decision today, right now. You know, It's a beginning of a journey. And so we can pray about that together. Come and tell me at the end. I'll get you, if you would like, to, to pop your hand in the air. And then 
for those of you guys today who, who are believers, maybe are saying, you know, James, as you were speaking, I'm thinking, that's just a, such a different way of thinking about the Holy Spirit in our lives. That actually, I've not really thought about living a life pointing people towards Jesus. And so if that's you today, guys, I just want to encourage you, let's pray, and you just make that decision before God to reorientate your focus. And let's pray for boldness. So I'm just going to close now in prayer. I'm going to close in prayer and just pray for boldness for all of us, actually. Father God, Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, as we worship you right now, as we worship you, Jesus, that you would come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would fill each of us afresh. Guys, if you're here today, actually, guys, as your eyes are, as your eyes are closed and heads bowed, if you're here today and haven't been filled with the Spirit and you would like to be filled or filled afresh, just pop your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you. We'll come around later and pray as well. Father, I pray that you would be here, Lord, that you would be here in power. Lord, I pray that you would give us a fresh boldness as we go out into our weeks. God, that you would give us opportunities, Lord, and that everything that's been said today, Lord, that you would ground it in our hearts, Lord, just that simple truth that we would know, Holy Spirit, that you have come to testify about Jesus, that we would have confidence, not in our ability or how much spiritual stuff we've done that week, but that when we step out, when we step out into the unseen, into the supernatural, asking for wisdom, praying for healing, casting out demons, whatever it looks like, that we have confidence because we know you are here to move in power and might to point to King Jesus.